Welcome to Worlds Collide, the wrestling card podcast for wrestling fans by wrestling fans. Featuring Tony Bella from WrestlingTradingCards.com. This is like a, a stock market. Like- and Zan Morning from Wrestling With Cards on YouTube. And I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer, I'm just posing the question. Join them as they navigate the world of wrestling cards, helping you build a bigger, better collection, and making some money along the way. What's up, wrestling fans? Worlds Collide, back again. It's another roundtable. We'll start with Tony. Tony, how you doing? You know, just living the life out here in Arizona. Got a brand new uh, three-year-old. <laughs> got, rid the temp- of the, got rid of the two-year-old and upgraded to the three-year-old. What's the temperature there right now? Because the rest of us, I'm sure, are freezing. It is freezing right now. It's 63 degrees right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's wow. cold as hell, man. <laughs> 63. 63 and clear. I'm just going to bypass that. Let's talk to the guests. We'll let Ken start. Welcome to the show, Ken. Hey, thanks for having me. I mean, cold is relative. I mean, it's it's in the 30s here, and I'm 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 pretty cold. Uh, 30s in uh, when you've lived in Texas for almost a decade is different than when I lived up north. That's for darn sure. Oh yeah, I would assume that. When I go and from one when I go from 115 to 63, it's cold, man. It's cold. <laughs> yeah. It gets below 80. I'm like, I got to put a long sleeve shirt on. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we've got Mike on the show too. Mike, how's it going? I'm doing great. And if we're going to talk weather, it was single digits when I woke up this morning. And that makes me excited because the pond out back is frozen. I can get out and ice skate and do all those kinds of fun things. So uh, bring on the cold weather. It's wintertime. And that is what we're supposed to have in the wintertime. Perfect. And for me, wintertime is no better time than to talk wrestling. Of course, when is a not good time to talk wrestling? That's what we're going to do today. There's no uh, seasons in wrestling, sir. That's why wrestling <laughs> is so good. It never ends. Whether you want to go back and watch stuff from the 70s or you want to watch something from 70 minutes ago that's on some on-demand service. There's so much wrestling out there now, but we're here to talk about wrestling in the cardboard form. Ken, we'll start with you. Everybody knows the ro- rotation of the show. Guests go first. Everybody's got a question. Ken, you're up. All right, so mine, I talked with you about this. So, you know, I see a lot of you of the wrestling card guys, and I have collected wrestling cards. I have some, but I'm definitely more of a, you know, stick and ball sports guy, collect a little bit of everything. So I see a lot of people talk about why they're, you know, or kind of bemoan that there aren't more wrestling card collectors and maybe why it doesn't get the respect of the other sports so I have a, a few hypotheses on maybe why that is, but what I want to know from you guys is why do you think that it, why do you happen to think that is? I think me and Tony have talked about this quite a bit. It's just the, it's the lowest rung there is of collectibles, like even more than I think non-sport Tony, we've talked about that. There's, mm-hmm. there's non-sport stuff. That's not even as popular as wrestling. That's still more popular, more collectible in cardboard form. But then let's talk about just within wrestling itself. People rather have the figures. They rather have the t-shirts. They rather have eight by tens, like whatever it is. It seems like they gravitate towards that as opposed to the cards. I don't know if that's because even though they've had cards from, you know, since, you know, the fifties, even they didn't really start being mass produced. And if, and you know, that's probably being lenient with the term mass produced until the eighties and then through the eighties and nineties, like I would see them if I went to a hobby shop, But if I went to a retail store up until the 2000s, I never saw them available at like 
Walmart or Target or anything like that to just pick up. I think that has a lot to do with it too. But it's it's one of those things where, you know, people say, what do you like to do? Well, I collect wrestling cards. Oh, you like baseball cards? No, no, it's, it's wrestling. And that's just kind of the stigma that's been attached to it. I just think enough people don't know about it. I think that's partially changed a little bit with the AEW release. And me and Tony have both seen people coming in that hadn't collected before the buzz around the product, whether good or bad, just people talking about it. I think that's changed a lot. Uh, my usually complaint, like I don't really care so much about the pool of collectors as much. I just care about the product itself. I wish that wrestling was respected at the same level of all the other ancillary stuff. It's never going to be as big as the big three, obviously that's just kind of common sense in my opinion, but why are, wrestling cards not up there with ufc with pokemon uh, f1 those kind of things so tony you got anything no i think uh you know like i said we we've, we've talked about this a lot before on on various other episodes and uh yeah we kind of agree on that but i got an interesting comment from someone who uh posted on instagram about this uh similar topic you know he said just listen to the newest episode he says here's the point 30 million people watch nfl every week 2 million people watch wrestling weekly and a majority of those are children there's your answer for why wrestling cards aren't as popular. Good point. I think it's a very good point. Yeah. But I think the point that we're not, I don't really don't think that we're looking for like, why don't we have 30 million people like, you know, uh, wanting to collect wrestling cards. I want to know why of those 2 million people. And if the majority of them are kids, why are they not collecting cards when they collect Correct. Pokemon and other stuff? So that's uh, my just, exact argument as well. So I'm just wondering, you know, what it would take to get them to come into the, to, into the hobby. So when I see and hear that, place like AEW or, you know, on their television shows or doing commercials and advertisements. That's, that's a positive for me. I think that really helps, helps the, the community big time. Yes. I kind of feel like there's, there's that aspect of a collecting culture that you hit on that, like you said, hasn't necessarily been there throughout history for wrestling. You know, you've got football cards, basketball cards, baseball cards that have a history dating back to, the pre-war era, you know, it, the, the, the quote unquote vintage era starting from the fifties, you have lots of people who are, or who have grown up collecting um, the other sports cards, whereas wrestling, yes, there were some wrestling cards, you know, way back in the day, but so it was really the eighties. What's that? Wrestling cards predate any other sport cards. But but not at the same level. There there right, were not right. there were not mass produced, mass issued, you know, wrestling cards until a more recent era. And I think that's one of those those things that's going to take a little while for that culture to to build in. You know, um, I hear some of my NASCAR collecting friends say the same thing about NASCAR. Yeah, I could really see the parallels popular, there. That mm -hmm. T-shirts and and other uh, paraphernalia are very popular, but cards haven't been. Um, they talk about going to races and it, it's not uncommon that you don't see any cards, you know, at races even and things like that. And they had that same question is, you know, we've got NASCAR fans who are buying all kinds of other paraphernalia. Why aren't they as into to racing cards as, as we are? And I think it's just the culture hasn't been there. Um, but I think there's an opportunity for it to continue to develop and the things that you're starting to see, uh, with additional advertising, with more and more content being produced that are connecting the, the culture of wrestling with the culture of collecting, um, collecting cards, 
I think we're going to start to see that that continue to shift. I think as you start to see people who are looking for something new, different, quote unquote, out of the ordinary from the traditional sports, I think you're going to start to see more and more people open up to the idea of collecting wrestling cards and building that in as one of the, the, the things that they pursue and learn more about and, and dig into a little bit deeper. At least I hope so, because I enjoy the variety. So I have, I've thought about this a lot and I wanted to do like a live stream with one of my friends who's also a wrestling collector, but he really collects the stick and ball sports. So I have a couple thoughts and I just wanted to see what you guys might have to say about that. So it's funny that you mentioned racing because I literally have right here, similar to racing. I think there's less ways to collect cards. Um, set collectors are minimal, you know, now, while it's maybe the percentage is close to the same as baseball or basketball, you just use the example of 2 million people watching wrestling versus 30 million people watching NFL. So um, there's a lack of consistency in new products. I mean, I really loved Chrome and Heritage and Tops killed those off for what, two or three years? Yeah. Um, collectors in general, you know, stick and ball sports is kind of what we have for comparison. It's all about the latest and greatest and what's the newest. And once the new thing comes out, nobody cares about the old one is where with wrestling, we have a lot more of these breaks. You hear the NASCAR radio guys talk about the breaks with Panini. They only get four or five releases a year. So I think there's something to that effect, you know, less items to collect. Um, you know, you have your individual subject collectors, um, but there's no teams in wrestling. There's no teams you know, so to speak in NASCAR, there are owners that have teams, but you're not cheering for the Phillies or the Reds. You're cheering for Kevin Harvick, Dale Earnhardt Jr. In this case, you know, you're a Roman Reigns collector or you're a, you know, whoever that may be. And then a lot of those top guys are collected, but what about the others? Now, wrestling has a little bit and that the female, the female wrestlers seem to be pretty heavily collected. So you kind of have that little change, but you know, I kind of parallel that with racing over in racing, you know, it's the top three or four guys. And if you don't get those, you're, you're kind of bummed. So I think there's some of that because you don't have the teams and some of those other things. And then the other thing I kind of came up with is, you know, with the stick and ball sports, a lot of the market is driven by performance and prospecting. And you don't really have that with wrestling. And again, I can kind of say NASCAR, you don't have statistics, so to speak. You can't tell when a guy's on a hot streak, when a guy's about to break a record other than, you know, he's going to be, he's about to be the longest intercontinental champion or something like that. Um, and then wrestlers, you know, it, we talk about it being by performance, but wrestlers don't, it's not necessarily by performance because they're at the mercy of the bookers or right. Vince McMahon take Bray Wyatt. I mean, how popular was he? And just, you know, poof he's off tv all of a sudden and i feel like i don't know on the card market but i mean i feel like he had a very solid following and all of a sudden if the bookers can't figure out what to do with you in that particular gimmick or vince just decides he doesn't like you anymore or you know you're smaller you know like how long did it take daniel bryan to go to the top so those right. are just kind of some of my things why i'm thinking it's different and you also made another point you said wrestling season never ends but think about all the stick and ball sports they really start to spike going into the season. So there's not necessarily that lull. It was just something else I thought of. 
Um, and I was just wondering what you guys maybe thought about any of that. Those were some things I've kind of thought about over the course of months. All great points. I love the NASCAR stuff, guys. Like when I, I was kind of thinking that before Mike, you said it, and then you guys start piling on and I'm like, this is it because there are other ancillary sports that are bigger, but yeah, NASCAR and wrestling are kind of on the same level because I see more die cast stuff for NASCAR sold than like anything like that, that and t-shirts. So, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's wrestling. It's wrestling figures and wrestling t-shirts. That's what everybody goes after. Uh, great points. Like I, I can't disagree with any of that. Um, you know, it's, it's hard. I think, I think maybe for me, the closest comparison I can get to wrestling is Pokemon and Marvel because it's so character based. And you talked about Bray Wyatt. I still see people out there, you know, collecting Bray Wyatt stuff. He hasn't been on TV. I'm buying Killer Cross stuff. He's not been on TV and got cut. Uh, so that's why I think that um, if people would just kind of pick a character in wrestling, no matter who that is, that it would kind of give it more of a longevity because that kind of it's your player collecting. Uh, it's that, you know, your Ken, it's like you said, that the person is the team. So that's kind of what people could go for. But um, I think sometimes people are just having a hard time, like starting like, OK, I like wrestling. I want wrestling cards. But what do I do? So I don't know, Tony. Yeah, I agree with all these points. I think it's uh, if you're going to get into it, I mean, it's just, you know, you pick someone you like, you're going to gravitate towards someone you like anyway. It doesn't matter how they're being booked. Obviously, if you like them because of the way they look or because of the way they talk or because of their style, you're going to go after them. I mean, I've, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I collect extra Luma stuff, never seen him wrestle a single thing in my life. <laughs> I just like the look. As my wife says, I must be in the Nazis, but that's just, you know. <laughs> uh, but it's just, it, I just think he has a cool look to it. It's like that. And, uh, you know, I, I gravitated towards that and that's what I collect, you know. And it's affordable my, too. Yeah, it's affordable. So it's just, you know, I'm coming on the, if I'm looking from an investment standpoint, I'm coming in at a, at the ground floor right there. You know, I, I don't lose anything, if, you know, serious if it, if he doesn't pan out to be anything, but if he does become something big down the road, you know, I came in from the very beginning. I, I'm cool with that, but. You know, that's where I got my high-end stuff with all my Kurt Angle stuff. But it just all depends on what you're into. I mean, uh, wrestling's got something for everybody. I mean, most people gravitate towards the women anyways. It's a TNA factor. Uh, always has been, even during the Attitude Era. That's just how it always is. I mean, uh, so if you don't want to collect that, like, I'm not going after Kiss cards. I'm not going after all the autographs of Alexa Bliss. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a our truth guy i gotta go after our truth stuff you know or you know whatever you are i'm a roman reigns guy that's what you go for so there's a lot of variety in wrestling wrestling is has always provided a lot of variety to choose from so yeah. it's just um it's a matter of trying to get at this person's statement which i believe is true you know of two million people watching wrestling every uh, you know every week and and the majority of those are kids that's why i'm opening up a brick and mortar store here you know at selling my majority of my inventory has to be action figures and t-shirts because that's what's going to sell and make me my money. Am I going to introduce cards to, to my, to the, my customer base? Oh, hell yeah. I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to, but you know, it's just, I got to go with what's making the money. And I just uh, would love to introduce. And I think we need to have more people who are introducing the kids and saying, Hey, cards, man, cards. That's where it's at. Right. That's why I wish that the manufacturer would make something so cheap that was uh, for kids strictly for not not cartoony things where it's a drawing of cm punk you know drive up a ring or something like that but actual a flagship product that would be at a at a price point of like you know 50 bucks a box or something like that you know that's just cheap with no thrills no nothing really big just something to get kids into it 
Mike, you got any comments on Ken's? Yeah, no, I mean, not, nothing else. I think I agree with a lot of those things. I think we're kind of thinking along the same lines, especially from the, the comparison to NASCAR. Um, you know, I think that I think that was a good point with the um, connection to one of those differences being that many of these wrestlers aren't necessarily in control of the publicity, the screen time, and um, quote unquote, the success that they're going to have in the ring. Um, a lot of that can be, can be predetermined, you know, obviously their personality and their screen presence is going to be a, a big determinant or big determiner of their popularity. And that is something that they've got control of, but um, yeah, I, I think some of those things can just, can just make it a little tougher to gain some traction. My, my guy I doesn't even talk. So. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> All right, Mike, we'll go ahead and turn it over to you for your question. Yeah, so I am, I would call myself a peripheral wrestling collector. Um, there are, there's times where I struggle to find kind of where my place is when it comes to, to fitting in with the wrestling community, right? And so, um, for instance, I rarely have a chance to see the current WWE or AEW shows, you know, live. And so um, I, I don't really know or have a connection to these current wrestlers and you know, since you and I have talked a little bit, Zan, you know, I've had fun getting into it and collecting some of the 80 stars and some of those those um, sets and things that came out in the 80s and 90s when I was a, a much more avid watcher of wrestling. But at times in the in the current world, I have a hard time knowing or feeling like I don't even know where to start with some of the newer products. Um I don't always feel like I can fit in or engage in, in some of the current groups or the, some of the current threads. And so I was curious from you guys' perspective, how can we get collectors who are kind of more like me, who are kind of on the, on the outskirts or on the periphery, how can we get folks like me to connect, even though we aren't necessarily experts on the modern product? You know, where can we go? Are there certain websites that we can go to to, to learn more and, and dig in and, and be, <laughs> be deeper? Um, is it just the WWE Network on Peacock or DVDs or, you know, where, what is it that we could do to help some of the, the peripheral wrestling card fans feel like we have a place, even though we're not in it as deep as, as maybe you are? Tony, I, I want to give this to you first because I just feel like everything he just said is kind of what you touched on before we turned it over to him. Like, you talk like, I'll, I'll just let you go before I start. <laughs> uh, well, I recommend checking out this cool website called WrestlingTradingCards.com. <laughs> of course. Um, beyond that, though, uh, we live in a world now that allows us to engage in so many different ways with other fans and collectors out there. So. I mean, whether you're a Twitter user, uh, an IG user, a Facebook, there's so many great Facebook groups for people. And that's what's kind of cool about the wrestling community as a whole, card community as a whole, is that it seems to be a more inclusive type of group of people who are willing to help newbies or people coming back into the hobby for the, you know, after a long period of time. Uh, there's a lot of places to go to. Social media has made it so easy for people to engage now. So if you were looking for ways or tips like, how do I start? You know, who should I be collecting? Uh, how do I store my stuff? I mean, there's all kinds of different questions you can ask, obviously. And there's so many different groups out there 
especially for wrestling cards now. Uh, we have a Discord channel. There's Facebook groups. There's just so many ways to go out there and reach out. And somebody is going to, and many people are going to reach out and say, hey, this is kind of cool. What are you into? You like the girls? You're into like, you know, the big muscle head guys? I mean, I mean, there's a lot of people out there to help all the time. That's what's so cool about this community. Well, and Tony, you're the prime example of how you consume modern content because you don't watch it either. I, I, treat it, I treat it just like any other sport. I treat it like, uh, to me, social media is my sports center. So I just go on there and, and get all my highlights. You know, I can't even pronounce half these guys' names. So, <laughs> I mean, I just uh, go and I watch it. And uh, that's why I don't do box breaks. I feel embarrassed doing a box break going, yeah, this is, his parents know who he is. And then just go move on. It's like, the, I just, I can't, I can't figure out some of these guys' names. So um, I, it's just, uh, I just consume my content by, you know, getting highlights. So like, you know, hey, I, I don't, I haven't watched a single show or episode of AEW since, it, since its inception. So wow, I, not not one whole not show. One whole show. I, I haven't wow. watched. I watch all highlights. So when I see you know Moxley's returning, uh, you know I, I see the highlights. You know I see the fan right. chanting. I see his reactions like that. That's pretty cool, man. Um, and that's how I just absorb my content. And it's kind of how I see online on through social media. I kind of see who's getting the pop, who's not getting the pop, who's getting heat, um, who's not being talked about. It's like okay, well I. Nobody talks about Dexter Loomis and I don't care because he doesn't talk either. So <laughs> it's just, um, there's just a lot of ways to go out there. This, this community is so helpful um, in, in getting, when I switched from years of being a master set collector uh, and then of course I couldn't keep up once Topps got the license in 05, um, I just uh, gave up. I, I lost my interest in, in collecting. And then I got back into this after the pandemic started and I got back into this. I said, you know what? I'm going to be a player collector for the first time. What should I do? Well, Kurt Angle's a client. He's a friend. I'll collect Kurt Angle. <laughs> and so I said, exactly. Well, I, and, and then you've got an attachment to it now. Like that's, I have, and I have, I have attachments. So when I, when I, right. when I, when I call or text them like that, I make some kind of reference. Like I just picked up this Olympic cards. Like I might have those laying around. So, no, you don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's just, um, and then I decided, Hey, I should go after somebody that's more modern, you know, just, just because, and I literally just, looked at pictures of people who are in the current product and I just go I can't pronounce you I don't know how to pronounce it I don't even know who you are I don't know what you are and then I just went I said okay Dexter Loomis it looks cool muscle head guy tattoos I can relate you know um and I got into it and then my of course my wife made that comment and I'm like oh well I'm kind of committed now so <laughs> I mean uh but again the community has been great like when I made a, a post on social media like hey I'm I'm into Kurt Angle stuff and I now collect extra Luma stuff. I literally had people go, Hey, send me your address. I'm going to send you some stuff. Get you started. Yeah. And that was like, I don't think that happened in other sports. I, I don't know. I don't collect other sports. So I, I'm told it doesn't happen. Ken, I'll let you go ahead. I mean, honestly, I don't really have an answer for that. Cause to be honest, I'm kind of in that same situation as Mike <laughs> and uh, Tony to an extent, because what I know about current wrestling is the stuff that I see on Twitter. Um, I just can't get into the current W. Okay, I'm I'm going to be 43 in a week. Your babies. Here. I am. I am. At, <laughs> I, but I am at that age where everything was better 20 years ago. Everything was better 25 years ago, and that's all sports, and that's wrestling included. You know, I watched it when I was a kid through Hulkamania. I kind of got out in '91, came back. You know, a little bit of the ways into the Monday Night Wars. But I watch it now and, you know, my wife would even watch it with me and 
you know, it ebbs and flows. I don't know if it's who's producing the shows or what, but it's just not been able to keep our interest the last five years. I've tried AEW as well. I don't know if it's that they're, you know, I don't know if it's that the storylines aren't as good or any of that kind of stuff, but you know, we try and I'll watch Royal Rumble and I'll probably watch through WrestleMania, but the odds are it's not gonna, it's not gonna catch me like it used to. So I'm kind of in mics, you know, I, you know, I like the guys from the, again, the Monday night wars era and, you know, the late eighties, early nineties. And, you know, if I do collect something, it's usually those kind of things that I just happen to randomly find. So but when yeah, a, everybody when a wrestling card set comes about and they start including they, they almost always include legends in their sets. Would those be things that you'd be interested in collecting then card wise when it comes to modern product? I want to interrupt you one second and then I'll go to him. Tony, what you exactly just said is why I'm so excited for prism. Like that's what I'm waiting on. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, and I like heritage. I've always liked the concept of heritage. So yeah, you know, I do like some of that, but just not really being into the modern product either because of that, I'm still removed from even the older. And I get what Mike's saying. Like I follow a lot of the wrestling guys on Twitter. I retweet a lot of them. Um, but, you know, some of the guys that collect the older stuff that I like from that era, I get tired of seeing them crap on AEW and all the people that love AEW and just all that. And there's not a lot of guys that are just kind of in that, you know, outside looking in like Mike and I, or I don't know where those guys are, I should say. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of guys like us. Um, but yeah, but also another thing is I don't open boxes anymore. I don't do that i've stopped playing the trading card lottery so you know i just have my individual searches and i go in and out of things and maybe maybe after rumble maybe wwe keeps me for about a year and all of a sudden i start collecting again um but i've collected since i was eight years old 1987 i've collected without pause (laughs) and but because of that at that point you could collect everything even as a kid, it was kind of easy to collect multiple sports. Now you can't do that. And now that I've been in this hobby for 35 years, I have so many projects. You know, I'm yeah. the epitome of the look squirrel <laughs> when it comes to cards. So, you know, I haven't been super into wrestling cards in about three or four years. I keep an eye on them because I follow the, you know, I follow you guys. I watch the YouTube. I follow the guys on Twitter. But it is, like I said, I'm definitely like Mike and that it's, it's kind of hard to follow because there aren't as many, or I don't know where the guys are that are like us that are maybe more of the older wrestling fans. Yeah. And that's why I kind of say that, you know, I'm on the, on the peripheral edge of things. Right. And so um, I had a lot of fun tracking down the carnation set and build out the, the little oddball, you know, food issue carnation set. Um, I had fun building out the 85 top set, you know, that, that came out, right around the time that I had started collecting baseball cards, but we didn't have the wrestling cards in my little town. You know, they weren't in the gas station like the other, other sports were. And so I had fun tracking that down and I, I tracked down the, the Canadian Swanson set and the Canadian hostess sticker set. And some of those other, other sets from um, the eighties the and, and early nineties. And I had a lot of fun with those products and I started to have a connection to those products and those wrestlers that I grew up watching. And I had a ton of fun doing that, but I've just had a hard time bridging that gap from those types of products into 
the newer stuff, right? When I don't have that current connection to the modern product. And so I just find myself kind of feeling like I'm on the outside looking in, even though I'm dabbling here and there, right? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. But dabbling's still good, though, because you find things that can be real specific on what is like you found something like the Carnation set. You found something like you know, the, you know, the Hostess sets, which are all cool sets to collect, but... And they're, they're not impossible to, to complete. If there's a fun chase involved in it, you get it. But new product, if you're not attached to any characters now, and again, I say they have legends put in those sets, but you know, why would you want to go after just like this small little subset of a main set? I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, to each their own. So nothing, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I don't even collect uh, subsets. I just collect a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think in my case, the things I would be most interested in would be like those WCW NWO autographs. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, I would also like to stay married. I love yeah. my <laughs> wife. And yeah, so I'm not, you know, I'm not touching those. I literally have one that Wes sent me a few years ago. Um, you know, and I'm keeping that one forever. But yeah, just the prices on those. Um, those are the kind of things that I would enjoy collecting, but that's an awful lot of, that's an awful lot of money. Then things are going for. There you go. Just one, one card at a time over time. That's one card a was... decade. Maybe I can do one a decade. There you go. <laughs> Got to live 101 years. <laughs> Mike, your recent episode on collecting the active players cards. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's a really good approach that you can take with wrestling. Not well, I'm saying you if that's what you want to do specifically, but you know, that's just something that I think I think people can collect wrestling any certain way they want to and have fun. I'll just give you I actually just recorded a specific podcast talking about this. Like, Ken, I'm with you. I started so many projects that I'm just like, okay, this is this is getting out of control. I've really narrowed down my focus to my killer cross player super collection, trying to be the best at collecting a specific player that I possibly can. And I've had so much fun doing it. And it's been affordable and I've gotten some super cool cards. I've, I think I've had like four one of ones now, which like you can't usually say that about any specific card you're collecting. My other thing, I'm not a set collector, but I have a, a little, I have a complete set and some bonuses of the 82, 83 all-stars. And I'm going to just, I'm going to get those graded. And then I'm going to, you know, it's a, I'm content with what I have, but at the same time, it's going to be a continual chase because you can upgrade the grades if you so cho- chose to. But then you can also upgrade to signed versions of those same cards. And so it's a constant chase, yet you can still be content with what you have. So it just kind of, you can go with what you want. And then on the more modern aspect, I just pick and choose. You know, I'll see like a, you know, a gold, uh, gold refractor or some cool autograph card here and there of like a, a Charlotte or Becky or Austin, The Rock, like whatever. Like I just pick and choose. Uh, 
if to kind of put this in perspective with the AEW stuff, me and Tony, we split a case of that stuff just because I thought it was a good buy to buy the first ever Upper Deck product. And I'll just sit on it and then sell it. The price we got into it, we couldn't pass that up. (laughs) Yeah, we got in super, super early before they were raising the prices on them. And I don't plan on opening any of it. Now, um, I like, I think some of their designs are cool and I love hearing the buzz and seeing the sales around. I like, that's just awesome for wrestling cards, but, uh, person like I'm with Tony, like I watch most of the show's highlights. If there's some kind of big match or a story buildup, I will tune into a pay-per-view or to TV or something like that. And Ken, like you said, I don't miss the Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble through WrestleMania season. Like that's my jam, but I'm, I'm kind of with you guys, despite knowing a lot about it. I think my interest in the cards is actually more so that it's actually in the cards. It's the parallels. It's how many of this were made. Uh, you know, is the autograph on this one different than this one? If it's the same, like, it's more about cards and card design and collecting than it actually is wrestling, which is very strange. But that's how I've connected a little bit more with modern stuff. And my emotional attachment goes more towards the vintage stuff because that's what I love still to this day. I would just as soon watch a 1995 WCW random pay-per-view on Peacock than I would turn on Raw. So, and you know, that's not, that's just my choice. But the other thing inadvertently is that all that vintage stuff is what seems to be appreciating in value over time. So the stuff that I want to keep is the stuff that I could keep for as long as I want and then cash out on it later. It's not something that I'm trying to make money on. So that's just kind of where I like, I'm, I'm actually more closer to you guys than you think as far as like modern product, but I'm also like not afraid to, there's, there's a huge group of AEW and indie card collectors out there. And they're the nicest group of people within the, like the wrestling card community is great as a whole, but the guys that are doing indie and AEW stuff are, you know, taking it to another level as far as helping each other out, helping each other find out specific types of cards within sets or corrected information on those things. So, you know, if you, if you find yourself attached to a specific talent, what, and, you know, talk about modern, uh, I mean, Roman Reigns or, you know, Becky, somebody like that's kind of pretty self-explanatory, but maybe you like MJF or Moxley or CM Punk, somebody like that. Uh, I think that it's more fun in wrestling to just get attached to a specific talent and then kind of work your way backwards. Or if you can't connect with modern wrestling, cause I know there's a lot of people that don't like, unless you're specifically into a card design, I don't know why you even bother. It's no different than people who are just nonstop vintage baseball. Like, that's your wheelhouse. That's what brings you the joy and love. And that's what you should stick with. It's kind of where I'm at. Uh, you know, I dabble with modern, but the 80s stuff is like my wheelhouse. And, and then I even like to go way backwards occasionally. Like when I found the, was it the, I don't remember the guy's name. It was a uh, 1889, I think was the, the print on the card. And I was like, this is awesome. This is like one of the first wrestling cards ever made. So um, I don't know if that helps you guys or not, but. Yeah, I think it does. You know, and, and I think that's that's really kind of the gist of my question overall is finding my place. It seems I'm very comfortable in the sports world and I'm very comfortable that, you know, both in the vintage world side of things and the modern side of things. But it just for whatever reason, even though I've got a connection to parts of that wrestling past, it just felt different or it feels different to me. And so I think, like you said, maybe helping to continue to focus in on, you know, what aspect of wrestling cards am I enjoying the most and don't feel like I have to 
do it all or don't feel like I have to right. connect to the, the modern product in order to still be engaged in the, the overall um, wrestling card world, I think is, is going to be a, a thing for me to focus on going forward. There's plenty well, to collect in, if you're going to be an era collector, there's plenty to collect within any era. So just because you already have carnations and things like that, there's so much other product that was released during that time frame that'd be fun to chase after. That it gives you that feel, that nostalgia of uh, you know that time frame. One cool. other thing I'll say real quick, and then Ken, I'll let you say something if you want to chime in. Um, I I said that I'm not opening any AEW product. I'm not I'm like really attached to any of the talent, but I keep seeing those dynamite and those pro and those pyro parallels and the off the top rope. And the, the, the wins, I think, was it Wednesday in action? I think yeah. that's what this called. Like those, those subsets and those parallels are amazing. And like, I, I want to go buy at least one, but then I'm like, okay, well, I'd, I'd have to find the talent that I don't, you know, I don't mind watching. Is it Cody? Is it MJ? Like, I like those guys. Like I like watching them, but for some reason I can't connect with them as much on the cardboard front, but the design of the card is what's drawing me in. So Maybe maybe I'm on the in the minority where I'm like the card design is actually pretty cool over the actual talent. I don't they, know. They are pretty. They're around here somewhere. I got I opened a couple boxes. They're around here somewhere. <laughs> no, I mean I run into that same thing with other sports, and you know I don't really collect much of anything that's ultra modern. Um, just you know, like I said earlier, not only was wrestling to me better 20, 25 years ago, so was baseball, so was football, so was basketball. So those are the things that, you know, I, maybe that's another reason I don't open product. Um, but yeah, just not being that into that. Um, but I'm also not going to force myself, right. even if I do like the design, cause I have run into that. Oh, I like this design or I like this or I like that. And maybe I'll buy the random card, um, that fits that. And then I will say that um, a year later, I'm like, why the heck did I buy this? And, you know, I end up, I end up moving it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying about designs because I, I run into that because I've never been, even in all my collecting, even though I'm wearing a Dale Earnhardt, you know, pullover, most of my favorite players that I've always had have been those second, third, fourth tier guys. Mm -hmm. So they haven't been in a lot of those cool insert sets, you know, especially when you're talking to stick and ball sports where, you know, there's how many baseball players and there's a 25 card insert set. So unless you were collecting Griffey, McGuire, you know, who those guys were, Russ Davis was who I collected. Have you ever even heard of Russ Davis? I have. Oh, okay. Well, most I people haven't. are probably going, who the hell is Russ <laughs> Davis? So I wasn't getting all of those cool ones, but I have found myself actually going back and getting some of those. Oh, hey, I want one of these Dufex cards, and this is the guy I like the best out of the set. So I, I found myself doing that as well. Um not necessarily with wrestling, but. Well, one other thing I'll say that maybe will help you guys as far as that goes. Um, the thing that I've discovered is if I do buy a, a card because I let, you know, on a whim, I liked this. I, I saw this person in the main event. I want to pick up one of their cards or I like the design. Like I said, that's been the one aspect of my actual PC that I've been very flexible with. So, you know, if something comes up and I get an, an, option to pick up a one-on-one -on -one cross card or another a better version of an all-stars card than what i have that's the stuff that i end up selling off to pay for the stuff that i want to keep so it's stuff that i'll keep but push comes to shove i could eventually sell it off but i still i don't know it, it's hard to explain like i think 
it's a fun aspect for me to dabble with that stuff, but also not have a huge emotional attachment to it. And also not like hoarding at the same time. That's why I'm not a set collector other than the all-stars set. So um, I don't know if that helps people or not. I'm just kind of thinking out loud of different ways that people can go about it. That's good stuff. Tony, you're up. We were talking about a lot of AEW. Go for it. Nice segue. Yeah. Uh, my 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 question is real simple. I I, I want to know of what you guys have seen on social media, and as we've already discussed, you know, most of us aren't even watching the current product in, in, on any level except for highlights. Um, how uh, how do you like the way that Upper Deck has handled the promoting of the AEW license? Let me also say before you guys answer. How do you think they've done promoting it because you're not like us and on the inside of the wrestling bubble? Anybody? Anyone? Bueller? I mean, <laughs> um, I mean, I do like that they have um, definitely put more attention. I feel like they've put more attention into it than Topps has put in to their WWE product. You know, I, you know, I follow Chris Carlin on Twitter and, you know, a lot of those other places and they have done a lot with it. I'm not a big fan of the design. I've heard a lot of folks kind of say the same thing. It is kind of a boring design, but I am also thinking they probably threw this together as quickly as they could to get to market. And it took longer because of production issues. But, you know, this was just their first one. Um, I think they've done a good job of promoting it. Um, I mean, let's be honest, too. They've actually even had it. When's the last time you've ever seen any wrestling trading card product being advertised on television? Yeah. See, I haven't seen that because I'm not watching wrestling. I'm not either, but I... I but there you, know, you go. Social, social media okay. has made it very clear. Like, that was so cool tonight. Watch on Dynamite that another Upper Deck commercial promoting their product again. And it was, it was a buildup to the release. And since the release, they're still promoting it. And I shouldn't be surprised because Upper Deck does a good job with NHL too. Like they have guys opening packs on some of those shows on the NHL network. Um, and they do a lot of things like you'll see Upper Deck. So I'm not surprised that they're doing it. And I'm glad that they are. And hopefully that's one of those things that, you know, brings some more people in. Some of the people that maybe were the action figure people or just the t-shirt and cat people. Oh, they're, um, then they're being smart about it too. Now that you just brought up action figures, so there's a level of parallel oh, yeah. that they've done right now that Upper Deck is including in the next series of action figures coming up. You can only get it in the action figures. They used to, funny. They used to do that in NASCAR, and we've talked about the wrestling and NASCAR right. parallels. But yeah, I'm not <laughs> surprised that they're. I'm not surprised that they're doing a good job of it. I think the product itself probably needs to get better. But again, I still hear people say from time to time. Yeah, I was telling somebody that I collect cards and they didn't even know you still made baseball cards. I know we're talking wrestling, right? but how many people watching wrestling maybe just truly didn't know because they're not selling those at the merch counter (laughs) at the live events. I interviewed a guy like that. Uh, I had a series on my podcast called uh, uh, Wrestling Fans Who Don't Collect Wrestling Cards. And uh, one of them was a store owner out in Los Angeles called the Wrestling Guy Store. And up until he opened his store, well, now eight years ago, uh, he didn't even know they made wrestling cards ever. <laughs> so, maybe, you know, hopefully Upper Deck's promotion, I, like I said, I mean, knowing what you've said on that goes along with what I have seen with hockey. You know, and hopefully that's a good thing because, like I said, more, you know, what is it that, you know, the rising tide lifts all ships or sure. something. And, you know. Hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully if you can get 25% more collectors, then that's only only going to be for the better. 
Yeah, and I've seen some of those those ads or some of those promotions getting discussed and being mentioned on social media and during some of the other um, wrestling podcasts, and that's been very encouraging because I feel this the same way. Um, regardless of the sport, I think increasing its presence in kind of mainstream culture and getting more eyeballs on it is going to be helpful. And I, I I like what I've heard from Upper Deck. And the conversations and the interviews I've heard with with different part, members of their team who've been involved in the product development and and getting the product off the ground, um, I think has been encouraging. And so I hope that they're able to continue to build that collecting base um, with some creative marketing, with some creative product integrations, um, just to to continue to broaden that collector base. And I think. Um, when we, when we see that type of thing succeed, if it succeeds with wrestling, if we see it succeed with kind of the product tie into the figures with cards in the figures, just like they had had in, in racing in the past, if we start to see some, some success with those types of creative approaches, I think we're going to see the entire card community continue to grow too. And that's also encouraging to me. And so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they've got this. I think it provides a sense of competition as well. Um, originally, we thought it was going to be between Tops and Upper Deck, but now it's going to be between Panini and Upper Deck, between the two um, rival um, promotions. I think that's great because I think that that's when I was into wrestling before, when it was WCW against WWE which one is going to come up with the bigger and better thing that's going to grab our attention that week. Um, and I hope that we start to see more and more of that here between AEW and WWE and Panini and, and um, upper deck as well. So I'm excited to see what, what develops. Panini versus upper deck. That's so pro wrestling. <laughs> one thing that I want to say that they did that completely kind of turned me upside down Tony, me and you both know how stuck in their ways traditional wrestling card collectors are. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Upper Deck says, hey, we're going to have CM Punk EPAC cards. And the wrestling community is like, oh, CM Punk, all oh, cards. Wait, what's an EPAC? Yep. And the fact that so many of them were willing to jump into something new and try a different way to do something and then ended up like, you know, I, some people had some hiccups. I, Tony, didn't you have a problem with your order? Yeah, my order uh, got lost in the mail. So, but like the fact that uh, there's so those hiccups, and you're not the only one, but there were some hiccups along the way. But the fact that people within the wrestling card community were willing to try something new like that, and then by the time they got the card, they were just like overwhelmed with how cool it is. And Upper Deck has been involved with the wrestling card community. Like I see them tweeting back at people. Uh, they've been on the Card Foundation. They sent Chris, who is the uh diehard daniel bryan brian danielson some of the you know, oversized we, you know you know promo <laughs> yeah I, is that the one did they use that at the national it was at the national yeah it was, it yeah was, they, it was they sent that display. they sent that to him because we all we all reached out to upper deck and we're like hey this is the guy that needs that card if you're giving it away and sure enough they gave it to him so the fact that they're engaging with the community is building a rapport there but mike it's kind of like you said there's this huge groundswell of aew and then over here there's the wwe guys the WWE guys are more into, it seems like, you know, Brock, Hogan, Flair, vintage stuff. While these AEW over here, they're the ones breaking boxes. They're the ones talking about the autographs that they pulled. And it's it's really starting to remind me a little bit of the Monday Night Wars, but in the card aspect. And which I is, love that. It, yeah, it's fun. I love it. I love watching it. I, 
it gets a little bit to the point where sometimes very rarely, but there's like some name calling people have to block somebody like that. But that's, that's just, that's life as, as all that's welcome to social media people. Um, but it's just, uh, it's fun overall to see people out there, you know, boasting about their box breaks. And then you, it, it's a bit of a divide though, a little bit of a divide, you know, obviously between WWE and AEW guys, but overall, I think it's fun to watch this kind of like competitive type of thing translating all the way down to, to trading cards. It's kind of cool. Well, and Ken said that, you know, the relating this back to hockey, they had guys doing breaks. I'm actually seeing wrestlers out there promoting their own cards. Like when's the last time we saw anybody from WWE? Like, you know, they'll sometimes send out a picture about, Hey, I just signed all these stickers or I signed my cards, but no, they're actually like promoting the brand and the card and making interesting, funny comments about a picture or a pose or something on their card. So uh, that just does nothing but boosts the engagement and the viewership of, hey, there's cards out there. And with so many people watching AEW now that maybe don't even collect anything, they see cards, they see wrestlers promoting it, and they say, oh, I want to be a part of that. Oh, I can buy this person's card for $5. I, I want to do that, you know. And then it just builds from there like it has for all of us. So um, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think that the, the promotion has been great. I love seeing the divide. It reminds me of the Monday Night Wars, like I said. And I just, I can't wait to see what Upper Deck does. And it's going to be a fun battle to see Panini and Upper Deck and who can put out the better product. Anybody got anything else on that before we go to the next one? Do we have a next one? We do. Oh. I'm actually donating my question. Usually it's my question. However, me and Mike were talking about something in DMs on Twitter and it was such a good topic, and I thought everybody would have a good input on it. So I was like, I'm going to donate my question. So Mike gets a bonus. <laughs> so Zan kind of hinted at it a little bit in, in his, his last comments that he was making, and that is this idea of doing things a little bit different in the wrestling card community. And he talked about the AEW experiment with EPAC and putting the, these first cards out on EPAC well, Tops had just done that over the last year with the, the living set. Um, and that's something that I had done in baseball in the past. And so when they launched the WWE living set early 2021, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to get in from the ground and start building out this set from the beginning. And I actually did that. I've got three full sets that I've, I've put together, one for me to keep and two that I was hopefully going to be able to sell at some point to be able to cover the cost of the one that I wanted to keep from my own collection. And it's one of those things that as I built those sets and continue to build those sets, there were very few people who seemed to be talking about it. The card foundation guys did a, a segment every week where they were talking about it. Occasionally we would um, see tweets get put out um, here and there about what the, the current releases are, what the print runs were. Um, but you didn't have a lot of people talking about the WWE living set and the print runs really, you know, um, weren't very strong, especially once, once it got started, I was curious what you guys thought about that product and what you think about what future it has. Now that we know the 96 cards that were created are going to be, it's, it's dead. <laughs> it, it lived and now it's dead at 96. <laughs> um, and so just curious on what you guys thought about that product and kind of where you see it fitting into the overall world of, of cards now that it is going to be no more. 
I guess I'll turn it around a little bit on you. How is the uh, Tops Living Baseball, like how do the baseball collectors react to that set? It also lost some popularity. I built the first about 250 cards or so. And then um, honestly, I, I missed a couple weeks because I was on vacation and I stopped. I, I kind of lost interest in it um, from a baseball side of things. And so um, there are still some of those cards that have, have some, some good traction. Some of those rookie cards have some good traction, but, but overall it it's also continuing to lose a little bit of steam um, as it's now in its third or fourth year. Hmm. Ken, what do you think? So I believe the lowest print run was sub 500, if I'm correct That's... on the WWE living. Correct. So assuming that Tony and Zon don't have a set of these, we on this panel have four of the possible 470 something complete sets because I actually have all of them. I signed up for the subscription where you, you know, they just redid every, every week. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to put any work in. Like I didn't have what Mike had happened with baseball where, you know, he missed a couple of weeks and then it happened. Now I will say I'm missing two cards because USPS said they delivered them a week and a half ago and I still have not received them. So I don't know if I'm going to have to go buy those two just to complete it or, or what I'll do. I will say, you know, and going along with, you know, yeah, there wasn't a lot of talk out there. I was very disappointed in what they did with that, especially I had high hopes because of what they had done with baseball, which I don't collect baseball. Now I've, you know, I bought like 10 Bo Jacksons when the Bo Jackson came out. I bought 10 Will Clarks because those were guys I collect going back to the old stuff. Right. You know, um, but I never, there was not one WWE that I, you know, said, oh, hey, I got to go buy a couple extra of these. Um, I was, and I was one that talked about it for maybe the first 10, 15 weeks, a little bit. And then I stopped talking about, it. honestly, I had a stack of like 10 or 12 packages from Tops that I opened at once because I didn't even pay any attention to what it was. I had signed up for the subscription. I was underwhelmed. I did not like the artwork from the get-go i thought it looked too i don't know comic bookish maybe they weren't is where the baseball living set they have a little bit more of a real feel or like a you know they're based after the 53 tops baseball set where okay they're not you know i think you all get what i'm getting everybody's yeah. nodding their head they seem to be um, com comical in a bit in some of their design yeah. there, there was complaints in the early runs too was you know, certain people's hands didn't look like that didn't look like hands. It looked really weird. Yeah. I mean, it was just design wise, the artists, I mean, no knock on the arts. I can't, I can't draw a stick figure, but uh, it, you know, this didn't seem like it, it held up to other living sets they put out. Like their star Wars line is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Agree. Totally. Cause I, I mean, I can't draw a stick figure. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm not trying to criticize them. I'm just saying personally, I didn't care for the artwork. And the other thing, and you know what? I didn't realize that their contract was running out at the end of the year. So that makes what I'm about to say to me even more egregious is that the selection of who they put in there was a lot of hot garbage. The earliest debuting WWE person, we had Hogan did had that Mr. America card or whatever. Yep. But outside of that, at least, at, at least up, maybe they put some guys out toward the end that were earlier. But the earliest 
debuting guy was The Undertaker, who was 1990. There were no 80s guys in there at all. Um, I get that some of the new people may not care about those, but you also have a lot of guys like Mike and I, and you guys that have watched, you know, wrestling for 20, 30 years that might've been interested to have had a, you know, for me, King Kong Bundy card or a Mr. Perfect card. Those were guys I really liked. And not only did they have that, they had, I mean, technically didn't they have access to all the WCW guys too, because of the, yep. You know, so they really, they really S the bed. I really wanted to just say it, but they really crapped the <laughs> bed on it. And they're putting in guys that literally there were some weeks where I would see a post and I'm like, who the hell are these guys? I get it. I don't watch the new stuff, but these weren't, I'm not saying that about Roman Reigns and Becky Lynch. I mean, I know who the top people and a lot of even the mid card people are. But I think they were put, were they putting people from like NXT that were half, half of the people they were putting on there weren't even on the roster anymore. Like, yeah. So they honestly, they really did a garbage job with that set. And again, you would think that if you knew that contract was coming up and you might lose it, well, maybe you should go ahead and put Hogan in there and Andre the Giant and at least get your money out of it. Right. And it would have made the long term collectability of that set better. Again, had there been, you know, who do we hear about of those old guys all the time? We hear about Andre the Giant. You know, we hear Hogan. Yeah, he was Mr. America or whatever. But these are the names, and these guys were not even in there. And, yeah, they honestly crapped the bed on that. But I don't think they they really cared about the WWE product and license as a whole. As we go back to talking about, look at what Upper Deck is doing with AEW. Right. Yeah, I saw from I saw from the get go. Everybody seemed super excited, and then as they started coming out, the interest just waned. Several reasons. You guys have touched on a few. I saw a lot of people, and this is for me looking at the outside. I, I would kind of dabble with them. I think I have the uh, I have the, the carrying cross, of course, but I also have the uh, I bought some Undertakers because I just really liked the way that it looked. And then I bought the Steve Austin because that was the very first one. Oh, and I, I have a Mr. America, but another thing with that is like, I was able to buy the Mr. America on eBay for less than what I could buy it from tops. So then that became a whole issue. Like why would anybody buy from there if they can just end up getting it on the secondary market for cheaper shipped than what tops is charging. So going back on the complaints that I would see from the outside people that were actually collecting the set, it was the artwork. It was the choice of talent. And then it became these egregious errors, like having the wrong bios and having parts of the cards cut off where it, it just didn't look, you know, you couldn't even read the bio because it was cut off the wrong person's image matching that bio, et cetera. Just so many bad things. And people just kept holding out and holding out for this. And then it got to the end and people still didn't get what they want. Tops loses the license. My, my hope originally was kind of what they did with Tops Now because a lot of the WWE stuff, if you go back and look at the Tops Now stuff, a lot of it was like really low print runs. Like, you know, there might only be 30 of a card that got ordered. So that puts a demand after the fact on the secondary market where somebody decides they want to collect a certain talent. They need to go back and find that now. And then it becomes expensive. But the other thing that they did that I actually saw a lot of people talking about that they wish they would have done was serial numbers, parallels, autographs, but making them very, very hard, like maybe just like putting out one or two or five and making it more of a chase as opposed to 
yeah, it's, they're only going to make so many that are ordered, but at the same time, there's, you know, everybody's going to have the same card. I, I saw a lot of people talking about that too. So I don't know if that maybe is a slight shift in the way that people are collecting as they want the paralleled serial number or autograph stuff also, or if it was just a culmination of everything, but that's kind of the big complaints I saw on the outside. Um, I think, you know, years from now, there people may go back and want to get a complete set of this because of you know look at monty gum like one of the worst wrestling card sets ever because everything on it is spelled wrong they've got the wrong names on the wrong guys but all of a sudden that that set has created this cult following where people actually want to go back and get those cards now which creates a demand prices go up people are grading them so i'm wondering if that actually happens to this tops living set i could be wrong Maybe it's one of those things where all of us right here talking, we can all relate to a lot of the names that are in the Monty Gum set, but 20 years down the road, are they going to be able to relate to some of the names, as Ken said, that were hot garbage that were put into the set? Like, I don't know that, you know, some of these uh, names were like blip on the radar in WWE. So um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see in a few years what happens with, with that set. I think there will be a, I almost think actually there will be a little bit more of a demand down the road than there would be for when it was released. And it could be a nostalgia thing. It could be just because it was so bad. It's good. You know, I don't know. Thoughts, anyone? Yeah, I think that's the, especially early on, you know, it started out of the gate with stone cold being number one, right? You had undertaker at card number 10, but then, you know, like Ken said, you went a long time before you had any of those legends from the, the 80s, right? You, like you said, Hogan with the, the Mr. America card, but it wasn't until, you know, 49 and 50 where you had Miss Elizabeth and Macho Man. And, and we never ended up with any of those other guys like Andre the Giant or, or those other stars from the 80s. Um, British Bulldog made it in, Hitman made it in, and some of that kind of stuff later on. But you went so so far early on with a lackluster lineup that wasn't continuing to build excitement and momentum. And I think that that really um, that really hurt things. You know, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe one of the shining points. Uh, how, how many gobbledygooker cards are out there outside of outside of the living set? So. I've Maybe, well, maybe and Mr. America too. Uh, like that, that there was there was some stuff in there that I was like, I think this is their first card. And I saw some people, you know, card foundations talked about it, and some others have talked about like, is this the rookie? Is this the first card? So you're right. I mean, at least it did create a debate about that. But is it a rookie card? Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I had to throw it. I had to throw it out there. It wouldn't be a show if somebody didn't throw that out there. Not at least in the next six to eight months. <laughs> Man, All I right, could, guys. I could say so much about that living set. We'll say it. We're talking uh, about it. Well, for me personally, it, uh, a lot of things play into it like that. Uh, the, the Panini acquisition of license was something that uh, there's a few of us that knew about that many months ago. I mean, we, that's why we kept biting our tongue about it and couldn't say anything about it. That's when we had that breaking news thing where I got Adam on because he was one of the early guys to know about it. And I had been chatting for a while with the lead writer of a lot of the past several years of WW product. And he kept letting me know about what was happening, what was going on based on what he heard and what he saw. 
he took over that living set stuff after all those errors happened. I think it was from Roman reign stuff backwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you notice, there's no errors going forward from that point. Uh, he took over all that stuff. And we have to understand too, most of the stuff was drawn and conceptualized already many, many months in advance. So they never got around to making a Hulk Hogan or an Andre the Giant or a Vince McMahon card or anything like that. Never got around to it. Um, you know, once that license was in jeopardy, which was usually around, I think it was like end of May, beginning of June sometime when that uh, started buzzing around, um, it, there was no more interest in like, well, we're not going to go back and get the artists to go and start making some of these, uh, you know, legends guys anymore. Forget it. They really treat it like garbage. So um, it's, it had a, Tops had the right idea and they were gonna, that set was supposed to be the living set. It was supposed to go on and on and on. And we would have gotten around to those guys eventually. But all that stuff, those last 30, 40 cards that came out, they, they were already in the can. It was already done. I mean, why go out and spend more money to make more cards for something just to appease a small number of people to go out there and get those legends like that? I mean, I get it. I, I was disappointed. I didn't sign up for it at all. I well, only have... I get- I only have what I have because I, I did a trade deal for some product with uh, the head writer for that product. So like he traded me some, I have like eight cards total. I have like a razor Ramon. I'll just get Scott to sign the damn card for me and be happy with that. And then that was, you know, pretty much it. I mean, well, I get that, but I guess my counterpoint would be what freaking genius thought, Hey, we don't have to put more than two big names in the first 40 cards. Oh, the release because, schedule was horrible. I mean, because I'll, you're I'll going that. to lose interest. Like, you, you know, we talked to Mike talked about where he missed a couple of weeks because he was on vacation and then he just dropped off. Yeah. Well, your numbers, if you continue to put out subpar people and they should have known that just because of, for no other reason than the, the baseball living set, that, you know, you need to have a star every, I mean, once a month, put a superstar, right. a pure legend in there. They didn't, once have to, a month. they didn't have to pair things the way they paired them. I think the distribution right. on it was done poorly. They don't have to, they don't have to pair them like that. You don't, you don't have to put a tag team together. You could, you could force the collectability and like, you know, oh my God, they put out a road dog, but no, no, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, Billy Gunn. So, but I got to go get them later kind of thing. They could have created that. They could have created more of a collectability, like, like Zan said throwing in five autographs. I got to keep ordering because I, I might I might get lucky and get that card. I might get that card. Those numbers would have gone up then because I got to keep ordering for that autograph card or that parallel card or that serial numbered card or something like that. So yeah, their distribution on that was done poorly. Uh, but as far as like how they released them, you know, they, they could have done a better job of that. They could have, they didn't have to put Miss Elizabeth with Macho Man. You could have put Macho Man by himself with you know, whoever, you know, pick, pick right. other some low grade guy from NXT on if you wanted to. You could have done, and then could put Miss Elizabeth with, could have put Miss Elizabeth with Trish Stratus, would have been fine or something like that, or Miss Elizabeth with uh, Alexa Bliss or something, you know, something more. They would have kept vintage. it going. That's some, that's kind of like what Impact did with their cards, where yes. they put the numbers sporadically, where if you wanted the whole set, you'd have to just keep buying them because they weren't consecutive ordered cards. I mean, keeping the, number, the, the numbers consecutive would have been fine because they do that with all the other living set stuff. It's all in consecutive uh, orders like that. But spreading out who is going to be card number 54 and card number 55, that could yeah. have been, because the back designs are something that's very simple to do and, and change over like that. It's the front designs that become- Speaking of the, stuff. the designs, I do want to say I was a huge fan of the design because it's yeah. the 85 tops. Yeah. And uh, I just love that design. So, I mean, at least it had that going for it, but. It, there's just so much Great. opportunity there that was, that was dropped. And um, 
how they did that was just it was just bad so well i guess that will close out the show guys thanks for coming on uh great conversation always love getting different perspectives on things ken we'll let you start let everybody know what you've got going on your content and where they can find you so I've kind of I've kind of chilled on content. I've gotten a little burnout, but you can find me pretty much anywhere at Beans Ball Card Blog. Other than Twitter, there I'm just Beans B Card Blog because of character limits. Um, but I'm definitely most active on Twitter. Um, but then I'm also on Instagram, YouTube. Um, you know, maybe I'll get back a little more active on YouTube in the in the future. Um, but that's where you can find me, Mike. Yeah, you can check out the blog at waxpackhero.com. You can check out the podcast, the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, pretty much anywhere that podcasts are found. And you can, I'm, I'm most active on Twitter as well at the Mike Summer. If you want to engage um, there, I'm I'm always looking to to have a good conversation about cards and about life in general. I guess. We need to find someone to do like a, a parody intro song for Mike, man. So you got like, you know, wax pack hero. Oh, that's good. Get corner out there to do it or something like that. You know, they're not doing anything. It remind, hey, it, hey, it, maybe one ahead. of those guys, maybe one of those guys is on cameo where you can get those uh, oh, custom yeah. videos. There you go. There you go. There you go. That's a good idea. <laughs> that is a good idea. <laughs> Guys, thanks for joining us. It's always great to have, um, like I said, people with different perspectives on here to hopefully help wrestling card collectors and anybody else that's collecting any kind of trading cards. Hopefully some of the knowledge that you know the four of us can bring to a discussion like this just helps people with the way they're collecting or different ways to think about the way they approach things. So if you guys enjoyed this audio or video, whatever you're listening to this on or viewing, please subscribe, leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Make sure to give Ken and Mike follows. We'll have links to their social platforms and YouTube channels and podcasts. We'll put all that in the show notes. Thank you guys for listening. You guys, thanks for coming on. We'll see you.